and welcome to Telling the Tale. It's the podcast in which we go through every single Telltale video game, except sometimes we get a little sidetracked and do other things, like this week. We'll be talking about what we're talking about when we talk about it, but until we talk about it, I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, and I'm joined by forever co-host Dustin Jackson. I got like a gurgliness in my throat because I ate an apple earlier. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a cool... <laughs> <laughs> all right this, this is, is gonna be a really good show is, is that one of the deadly sins gurgliness yeah oh no uh and that other person that you just heard is jeff onan it's me speaking of douglas Woo! Ooh, speaking of douglas it's jeff onan uh jeff <laughs> i want to talk a little bit about you first why are you here oh boy why would you why would we ever invite jeff onan onto this podcast Oh, you really caught me off guard. I didn't prepare. Um, is it because I you owe me money? I might. I owe you money. One of the you other. might. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, yeah. So, uh, well, I, I guess I can't really explain why I'm here until you explain what the topic is for the day. Because that's fair enough. There. You know what? You've you've been keeping me honest. You no longer owe me money. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about Sea of Thieves, colon, The Legend of Monkey Island, which is a, w- would you call it a story arc? I guess it's a story arc within Sea of Thieves that uh, just finished uh, as of recording within the last week, I think, or like maybe two weeks actually now. Um, yeah, I think it came out not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before, I believe. Gotcha. So a little over a week. Right. So yeah. by the time you listen at home, listener, it, it'll it be about two weeks old uh, that it just That worked out up. so perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so it consists of three episodes within Sea of Thieves that both advance the storyline of Sea of Thieves and the whole lore that that game has, which it has a lot of, and also serves as effectively a whole new Monkey Island game that takes place between Curse of Monkey Island and Escape from Monkey Island, which are Monkey Islands 3 and 4. So why are we talking about it on this podcast? Well, we figure that we talked about Return to Monkey Island which is not a Telltale game, but is sort of the sequel to Tales from Monkey Island, which is a Telltale game. Yeah, they got tired. Yeah, and we talk about Monkey Island a lot on the show anyway, so it's relevant. And also, it's episodic. That feels pretty close in there. And also, it's just something we were going to play anyway, so we might as well do an episode. Um, So a a lot of interesting connections there uh now jeff we've known you for a long time you've known me for a long time not Um, a question just a thing i'm saying oh yeah you you have uh you've known me for a long time and i've known you almost as long and Mm -hmm. we go back and uh you know years and such but the reason that i'm here is because uh i really like sea of thieves that's kind of just my character trait yeah, it's that little quirk that they write for you. Um, yeah, it's our they, favorite thing about you. They roll the dice and they're like, "Okay, uh, beard short." See if these. I'm not really that short. I should. No, that. you're I'm, like I'm mid. I'm, I'm mid. 
I don't want you to be short because uh, I think of myself as above average, and you're not that much shorter than me. You're just a little shorter than me. I think. I yeah, think you're at least yeah. in the top two tallest people on this podcast. I might be the same as Mitchell. It's hard to tell because he's always laying down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so I actually run a Sea of Thieves blog, which is I've been doing since 2018, uh, when that game came out. And What's it called? called? It is called Golden Sands Blog Post, and it's a blog. You can find it on medium.com, um, but you also just find it on X slash Twitter, whatever we're calling it these days. He said, I don't know. Uh, it, that's the easiest way to get to it is just uh, Twitter. To, the at, at Golden Sands Blog is what it is on there, but you can just Google it up. And uh, yeah, it, I, basically I write like walkthrough guides. I, I write walkthrough guides and... Um, other things like upcoming events that are happening in Sea of Thieves, just keeping people in the loop on Sea of Thieves, which is one of those kind of living games that has events happening constantly, right, limited yeah. time rewards, and, and new gameplay features coming out every season. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. Yeah, Sea of Thieves is a very... Um, I'll start by saying I like it <laughs> before we get into it more. <laughs> Um, and, and I know Dustin likes it as well. We both play relatively frequently. Um, I, I should say, for me at least, probably less frequently than like really, really frequent players. But I've been playing um, w- without completely stopping or anything since it came out about five years ago. So uh, we're, we're both in there. Sea of Thieves has a story that is difficult to keep up with sometimes. Because not only are there time-limited events that happen in the game that change the storyline, that affect characters in a way that persists, not only that, but it, it, it's like all the things that can change happen in different formats, so you need to be aware of tall tales that are coming out, which is what we'll talk about today. And also, um, like, weekly adventures. And Chris Alcock, a, a friend of all three of ours, wrote two books. That are just That's sort of in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a whole expanded the whole universe, lots of comic comic book, uh, like one-off comic book issues and uh, several novels. So it's it's a lot. It's a whole lot. But uh, I can't help you keep up with it. I mean, my blog yes, you can. might help a little. <laughs> Don't say yes. that when that is the <laughs> specific thing that you do. <laughs> it's, it's and you my, do such a good job of it. It's my one job, and I can't promise that it will work. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try you, together. Um, but yeah, and, and so you mentioned that these episodes of what we're going to be talking about today are Tall Tales. Yeah. <clears throat> T- tall Tales are basically like a mission mode in Sea of Thieves that is based on, that are story-based. Yes. And they are persistent. They are not time-limited events. If you listen to this a year from now, you you won't have missed it. You could you could still play it. Um, because they will stay in the game permanently and just be something you can always do, which is different than some of the other things they do in Sea of Thieves, which are like limited time events that are going on. But um so the Monkey Island Tall Tales, there there it's a it's a story arc over three tales each one probably taking about three hours to complete, depending on your, you know, how, you might get stuck if, if a puzzle was particularly hard or whatever. But I like, will say this third vary. one yeah. took over like four hours for me. It, it, it took yeah, a little think, bit of time. It, it, it will vary I think, by I think person. This one took, 
I think this last one took less time than the second one did for me. I felt the, the second, second one, one took longer on. for me, but the third one I feel drags at the end uh, in terms of like the pacing of it. But I'm not sure. Oh, that's how. that's interesting. I, I kind of feel the I felt like this one uh, I liked because it kept you uh, kind of moving. I have a third different opinion. <laughs> but we'll talk about it later. Uh, yeah, so you're you're right. The the tall tales are sort of the um, of everything that is added to Sea of Thieves. These are the real big feeling ones. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Outside of like big mechanical changes, these are the big story moments that'll really get people back in the game after playing or after maybe not playing for a little while. These are right. akin to. Uh, if you if you've ever played World of Warcraft or or something in that vein, these feel like the big okay. Every couple of years, you'll get an expansion, like a real one, like a big expansion. Yeah, um, and this feels a bit like that. Where and they have used the past couple of them, including this one, to do IP crossover stories. So yeah, this is this is an example of the the world and characters of the Monkey Island video games. Uh traveling to the sea of thieves world and crossing over and you know you it, it's a, a blending of the two you're gonna see those characters cross over with each other um but really this one more than anything else feels like a almost like a whole monkey island game yeah within within sea of thieves yeah it's cr- it's crazy i love how meaty these are yeah, this is a really impressive thing, especially be, uh, like considering what Monkey Island is. Monkey Island feels like this very prestigious, almost unusable intellectual property in a way, where uh, it a lot of people in the know like it. it. It might be sometimes you hear the phrase like, "Oh, this guy, he's like a musician's musician." Um, it feel Monkey Island kind of feels like that for games, uh, a little bit where it wasn't the most popular thing in the world ever, like for anyone. Uh, so the the fact that there was a 13 year gap between Tales of Monkey Island in 2009 and the next thing, Return to Monkey Island in 2022, was it was like a long time, but it wasn't really surprising that it took that long, right? Like. That just kind of felt like the end of Monkey Island. And then just one year, just one year after Return, we're talking about another Monkey Island game. Um, Yeah, I I feel like when Monkey Island is kind of brought out of retirement, they do a few things with it. Because like last time was when they did Tales. Um, That's also when they did the remasters for one and two. Sure. And now right after Return, we get uh, this with uh, The Legend of Monkey Island. Uh, I, I like that you kind of get uh, a few things before it kind of gets shoved back in the in the drawer. The uh, yeah, I guess that's the, what the, happens the, now. The, then the, the, the kitchen drawer with like the batteries and rubber bands and like whatever you keep in the kitchen drawer, you know. Yeah, junk drawer. yeah. We'll but, we'll remember this exists in a few more years. The uh, the voice actor I don't remember his I don't I don't remember his name. I don't. I'm not really in on like all of the. The people that you associate with Monkey Island, you guys will know the names better than me. But the voice actor who plays Guybrush Threepwood um, was on an interview on the computer. Dominic Armani? Armato. Armato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dominic. Yeah. Um, 
he was he was on an interview on the computer on my on my computer mm-hmm. and I was looking at it and but he said that basically it feels like Monkey Island will come out of retirement every 10 years and there will always it'll like come in twos they'll get the whole band back together of the people associated and they will do like there will be two big things and then it will go away for 10 years and that's what yeah. he he said that you have return and the tale the legend of Monkey Island Sea of Thieves was this one, and then the last one was the Tales and the uh, remasters, and so he was kind of joking that now we're going to put it back uh, in the kitchen. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say considering it's a pattern of twice. <laughs> like, it's right. it's, it's not happened every, that much more than just the this time and last time. Every ten years. <laughs> yeah. It's, we, we can assume it will continue into the next century. Yeah, because before that, it was... Escape from Monkey Island in the year 2000, which was five years after the previous thing before it. Um, I think it was just the one at that time. It was just that one. But yeah, no. That was before they settled into a rhythm, you know? (laughs) Yeah, a rhythm of two. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I guess we have the, what do you think, 2031-ish? That sounds right. All right. I'll I'll wait until then. I'll I'll go (laughs) to play the monkey island game in my flying car <laughs> revive the podcast around then you'll have to you'll have, <laughs> oh to, my run, God. You'll, <laughs> you'll have to run on a little treadmill to power your game machine while you uh you know in, in, in the evenings while you're fighting in the water wars in the in the daytime <laughs> uh, so so fun thing about this little group that we have on the podcast right now is all three of us have been co-hosts on Heil Russell's podcast, The Conversation, which is a Donkey Kong podcast. And I think the, the main difference between myself and Heil Russell is that if you ask me, what do you think about continuing this podcast into the 30s, uh, <laughs> I'll explode. And if you ask Kyle <laughs> what he thinks about doing it, he's like, "Yeah, I've got I've got game plans for the 30s. I've, I've got a pretty good idea about <laughs> what the show's going to be in the 30s." <laughs> Don't I, worry about it; it's all planned out. Kyle would explode if he had to go a couple weeks without the podcast. He would like he's like, "That's not the rules. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're supposed to do one." We yeah, talk about Mario Tennis on the Game Boy or something <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah, we, I'm I'm getting excited these days. This is neither here nor there, but. Uh, like Dustin and I are, are pretty close to wrapping up the whole thing that we're doing on this show. We're, um, we only have a specific number of episodes that we can do going forward. So that's how I feel when the, when that's how I feel when the moon is waning. Say more (laughs) about that. You know, I'm like, I'm getting excited. We're almost done with this moon. Get to start on the next moon. Oh, I don't think I'll start on the next moon. <laughs> I think I'll I'll be done with the moon. Yeah, no, I, I I like full moon. So when moon is waning, I'm like, ah, oh, hurry up and get back to uh, waxing. Mm-hmm. You love to see him wax, but you hate to see him lead, wane. <laughs> That's what they say. That is what they say. So uh, be- before we start talking about anything more specific, uh, I I, I do want to ask Jeff. Um, just for the benefit of the listener, what is your you're a big Sea of Thieves expert? Um, what, what's your Monkey Island relationship? Uh, lim- limited, yeah. So, uh, a couple years ago, Sea of Thieves did a series of tall tales where they crossed over with 
the Pirates of the Caribbean film franchise and Disney uh, ride, um, the whole IP, Pirates of the Caribbean. And so I was a fan of those movies. I was a fan of Sea of Thieves. And I kind of um, was researching into that. And, and there was a big Easter egg in there. That where So Sea of Thieves was working with Disney to get this IP. Disney also owns Monkey Island because they own LucasArts. And so they put this Easter egg in those uh, tall tales that referenced Monkey Island and basically was just like a fun nod to the fans with some Easter eggs and music and stuff that implied that Guybrush Threepwood might have, um, at one point, come to the Sea of Thieves. And so that sparked my interest in being like, you know, I've always been aware that Monkey Island exists, but uh, I don't know anything about it. I've never played it. I'm not much for those point-and-click games of the old school um, style point-and-click games. I never really grew up on them. My family computer was in the family room, so uh, I didn't play a lot of computer games because you, you had no privacy. You know, I just mostly I wanted to play in my room because if I'm playing like Tomb Raider, which is mostly about looking at an ass, I didn't yeah, want to do that. Yeah, which is most <laughs> of the games that you played at that age, I assume. Yeah, at that age, it was it most of them were ass-looking games, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to play on the family computer. So I never played a lot of point-and-click games. So I still didn't. <laughs> I, my, my my interest got peaked, uh, but I watched some YouTube videos on my computer of like a long play of the Monkey Island games, and I kind of got the gist. Yeah, that that's what's good about these games is if you just watch them on YouTube, you're not really missing that much. Like you're missing, I think, maybe you don't get some, the pointing and some, the clicking, some but... mechanical like uh, feeling of of solving puzzles. But in terms of right. if, if you're just trying to figure out like what is this world about what are these what is the tone what what is the what are the story beats if you just want that you can get that from a video um, you're only missing like the the meat and potatoes feeling of like like you're not working your muscles you know yeah you're not working your your puzzle muscles that is a big part of it the the puzzle muscles are uh, both pretty central to the series monkey island and also to this instance of sea of thieves shenaniganery which i think is really interesting because sea of thieves is not built for it um and it does pretty well taking it in like a foster child game genre it, it just yeah absorbs i it. i think it's I think it's really fun uh, doing these Monkey Island style puzzles in uh, the Sea of Thieves engine in a first person view. Yeah, because the yeah. Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean thing you brought up, Jeff, that was I, I think that was a, a very logical fit because you could still just do the game that Sea of Thieves is in yeah. in that in, in whatever world because it's a movie. So you just need to have a character from or, or multiple really from Pirates of the Caribbean, be here, do stuff, take time, take space. Um, yeah, you, you can just do it in the way Sea of Thieves is normally played. Yeah, and it's more about like getting that setting in there. And with Monkey Island, you have to... I guess they didn't have to, but they chose to, and it worked out, uh, to really bring in the point-and-click point adventure feeling of it all and uh, in, incorporate 
the feeling of using one item from one part of the map in a completely different part of the map in order to open a door that does not seem to make sense to open that way, but you kind of have to squint a little bit with your brain. That's all in there. That's in there now, uh, for better or for worse. And uh, it feels very authentic. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah, they totally. succeeded in that. And One element of that, I think, is this: when you're, you're making a living game like Sea of Thieves, a game that is in consistent development for 10 years, basically, at this point, because the game's been out for five, but uh, they started, you know, prototyping it in, like, what, 2014? So so we're not quite at 10 years. But the point is, if you're one of the, like, top lead designers on Sea of Thieves, you've basically been working on this for almost 10 years. And I think a key part of making that lifestyle work is that they do challenge themselves to do new things in Sea of Thieves that I think they... They don't limit themselves of what they think Sea of Thieves can be or what you can do within Sea of Thieves. So I'm right. excited to see them go in this direction with uh, a, a not just more narrative focus, which has been a kind of new thing to them in the first few years of the game. That When the game launched, there was like no narrative. And then when they started doing narrative stuff, that was something new. And how does that work in Sea of Thieves? And they've kind of developed and adapted that in different ways when they did Pirates of the Caribbean. But now it's a, a, a that puzzle solving and asking the question how do you make a point and click style puzzle in a first person fully you have full motion control of your character you're not on these you know set two-dimensional screens um that challenge i think uh i think they rose to that challenge and did a good job yeah i don't know how much of the rest of this podcast you've listened to jeff if any but we did an episode on the PlayStation 2 game, CSI Three Dimensions of Murder. And Mm. that is similar to the conceit that you just laid out of, hey, we've got this point-and-click collect thing kind of gameplay, but because it's ported to the PS2 and because Sony had a mandate at the time that any PS2 game, like any of them, needed to be in a three-dimensional space with a manipulatable camera. Um, they had to redesign the game to let you walk through the vistas and to let you walk uh, in first person and collect things. And the way that that game rose to the occasion of, of having to translate that into 3D explorable space and the way that this game did um, are really different quality and results uh, <laughs> among other things but yeah uh it, it's an interesting thing to think about because it it made me realize that we have never really seen a fully explorable melee island um yeah. i hadn't thought about that until it became doable that that is a, a true thing it's not just a mechanical challenge uh in the abstract of like how do we adapt this kind of gameplay to this type of uh, way that you interact with the world? Um, but it's also it's specific settings from the original Secret of Monkey Island that they that were two dimensional, basically like each each screen that you see in that game is just like a painted scene. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and they they weren't like necessarily designed to make sense in a 3D layout. They weren't thought of in those terms. And so it, there's the added challenge of taking actual locations from the Monkey Island game and realizing them in 3D in ways that make sense. Like they talked about when they were de- making the church in May on Melee Island down in the town, like the way that the windows look on the inside and the way they look on the outside don't actually make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they had to just reconcile like how can like how would that work? How do we make that and physically realize these spaces? Um, which is right. It's a, it's impressive they pulled it off, and then uh, they also do a really kind of neat Easter egg thing with these uh, what they call memoir spots, which are little locations throughout each level where you can sit down and Guybrush will do a little voiceover um, memoir of that scene. And it's basically, if you sit in that exact spot, it sort of replicates the two-dimensional screen you would have seen uh, in The Secret of Monkey Island. I will say... I love that. I I didn't like those. I liked... I, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I think that if there wasn't... So, okay... To zoom out to Sea of Thieves mechanics a little bit. In Sea of Thieves, basically everything that you do will have commendations associated with it. Commendations are like little mini achievements in-game. They'll get you uh, sometimes a, an aesthetic thing for your pirate or for your ship or for what, uh, for whatever. Or little amounts of coins or just a, a title, something. And... Uh, I chose, of course, yeah, of course I did, uh, to go through Legend of Monkey Island and 100% Every Tall Tale. Uh, of, course. of course. Of course, of course, of course. And in some of the episodes, that is very easy. And in some of them, <laughs> that really requires some scrounging around um, yeah. in, in a way that, like, I gotta say, it's like the the second half of doing it is not fun. Uh, just looking o- around for it, every memoir spot. I think it's especially hard in the last chapter because you're on this big, dense jungle. Yeah, it it's really hard, and I don't I don't remember every last spot from the original game on this on Monkey Island. Uh, so you really got to look around for them. But I think the ones in uh, on Melee Island are usually easier, except for like a couple of them. Yeah, and I'll yeah. admit to not actually realizing <laughs> that those memoir spots are in places where you can see the view of a screen from the Secret of Monkey Island until like the third right. tall tale. Uh, so I yeah <laughs> I I went through a lot of them just kind of looking around and guessing and checking. It is cool when you know though. It is cool when like, you know. Yeah. If if you have that Monkey Island experience, then it makes it a lot easier. Right, and and not myself not having that monkey island experience i don't remember any of the screens from that game like i don't i don't right i I didn't have that as like a tool to be like all right well i remember the screens so i can kind of figure out where i should stand to find this spot um and also i had i wrote a walkthrough you know because that's my whole thing is i run the blog so it was really hard to find some of these and i agree uh with mitchell that it's not necessarily fun sea of thieves kind of does that where they will make a challenge, and the challenge itself will be its own thing. But then they'll say, "All right, we have this space. Let's fill it with some hidden things to find," which is not which is not a bad idea to do. 
Um, I just don't necessarily think that their approach to hiding things is like all that engaging. If you have to find a hidden thing in, say, a, a, a collectathon or a sandbox game, a lot of times you have this very satisfying, like, bouncing thing in the physical space. So you're like, hey, that thing is gold and it rotates and bounces and there's a little sound effect. Yeah. And when I get yeah. close to it, I pick it up. And in Sea of Thieves, it's just like in the scenery. It's like a book on a table. And right. those, one, are harder to find, but two, they're not satisfying to quote-unquote pick up. Um, even though you don't, oh. you don't pick them up. I'll say this about it. I, th- I think it's fun when you just like stumble upon one. Like if you're just walking around and you're like, oh, there's oh, totally, one. That's, yeah. that's neat. And then, and then it gets less fun when you're going out of your way to be like, where the hell is this last yeah, one? Yeah. Knowing that you have sick of like, this. I don't want to be here. Like, okay. So in the third tall tale specifically, there are 10 memoir spots and seven of them are in the main island before you like progress into the next part uh, where it starts to be more funnily um and then the eighth one is right outside that entrance into the funnel and then two of them are like in there and you don't even really know unless you're looking it up yeah which i i do recommend if you're if you're in a, a big person who couldn't stand to imagine going through this and not finding all the memoirs uh spots to check out jeff's guide on the golden sands blog post i will say i didn't need it for the memoir spots but i did use it for the memoir spots just to make sure i wasn't <laughs> skipping things yeah because yeah right you, like you said right before you enter that funnel there's actually two more to go and you have no way of knowing that so you could be like well this is kind of a point of no return but did i miss one did i miss two like there, there's nothing that communicates that so um well yeah the, the good thing about uh, when I go through and try to find everything is usually, uh, Jeff, you and I usually play it with uh, our friends Heil and Cameron on uh, DK Vine's uh, Stream of Thieves. Usually you guys just point them out. So, like, if I'm going through it for the first time, I usually don't sweat it. I just, like, find whatever, whatever I stumble upon. Because I know whenever we play it, you guys will just point them all yeah, out. Yeah, I guess that's actually yeah, I, what I recommend. Just play with Jeff, and he'll tell you the yeah. answer to the puzzles. He'll be like, okay, I, now go over so here. The, the, yeah, when I play it by myself, you know, especially because I have to, like, write the guide. So when I'm doing it, there is no guide. There's no one for me to look up yet. Mm-hmm. I, have no, I have no North Star. And so... I feel a little bit like um, a rugged explorer, but like in a not exciting way, like in a like like in a this is really tough way, like th- this a is, really pissed off Indiana Jones. Like like if you're exploring the jungle, it's not actually fun. There's mosquitoes, and you have to, <laughs> like you have that big machete that you're chopping down vines. Uh, they make it you look, get tired. They make it look exotic. It's not exotic. It's tiring. It's hard. Your arm work. gets tired, and you're getting bit by animals when. When we play with Heil, uh, I view it more like I am a tour guide and Heil is on a slightly guided <laughs> tour. I still let him like connect dots and things, but I definitely am like it's it's more like if you had a guy if it's there, missable stuff. If you had a guy there that was making sure you didn't step on the poison ivy, that's that's my <laughs> that's what I do for you guys on the stream. It's just yeah. Hey, you know, we're going to go through this and you're going to have fun, but I'm just going to make sure you don't step on the poison ivy because I already did and it hurt. <laughs> yeah, there's some commendations that are really good, uh, I'll, I'll say, but most of them are like, 
just you'll know it is a commendation because you can see all of the commendations and what you need to do to achieve them at any point after starting the tall tale. Um, so you're just just waiting for a dog to need a bone because you see that you need to give a dog a bone <laughs> at some point. And then you'll have that moment of like, dude, I have a bone for you. <laughs> and just get really excited about it. It's a fun time. Um, the second one had a really good one with Stan, the, the uh, used boat salesman. And shipping him off in a wardrobe that he's just stuck in. And pushing that wardrobe into the ocean. And knowing that you're supposed to do that because it gets you an achievement. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> and, and it paid off as like a gag in the ending of the third one. So yeah. um, I, really, I really did like that. that. That is in contention for one of the better parts of the whole thing. Um, but yeah. Also... You, you, I know we're, we might be kind of sequence breaking here, but you brought up the second one. And am I the only one who kind of felt like the second one was like the Halloween one? Does that make any sense? Hmm. Um, honestly, I'd, I'd say I got that vibe more from the third say, one. Say more than about it. Than say more about okay. your feelings. So yeah. when Spit I did it, nasty um, so I'm running around doing it solo, obviously. Um, ob, you can play this. Ob. You can you You can play this co-op with up to four players as a team but that's a weird way to play a kind of puzzle yeah. point and click game right yeah i will that's, say that's, that's a weakness of this because yeah. sea of thieves really is built around that um crew structure of four people where like you're always allowed to have less or even just one person but um with everything else in the game pretty much you you want to be in a crew because it, it just makes things easier uh, the challenges yeah. are sort of built around it. And this one is very not that way. I, I would recommend to anyone who wants to play this, do it alone first, maybe. Um, I think it Especially for work. stuff like the insult sword fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There are moments where it clearly is intent, like it just works better as one. And I think that if you really want to play with friends, that's fine. And, and you will be able to have a good experience. Um but it is just a little weird. It's like a little funky. It almost slightly doesn't work, but it does work enough. Um, you, you go through it and, you know, in a point and click game, you might discover an item and you don't yet know what to do with it. Uh -huh. And it's almost like when you enter an escape room uh, at at an escape room. Yeah. Uh, and, and, <laughs> escape rooms and are every, us, yes. <laughs> And, and everybody uh, is doing different things, and you realize you have found the key to a thing, but someone else has found the lock to the thing. And if you're not communicating, you haven't, like, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, and that's, like, part of escape rooms is that it's, like, you have to communicate and all this stuff. But, like, this, it feels a little less structured, and you're, you can run into trouble where you're like, okay, I found an item. And I'm running around here, but my friend ran over the other way, and he triggered a thing, and I didn't even get to see what happened because he was doing that thing. And and you kind of, it, it might not be the ideal way to play it. Is yeah, it? like I was I was playing with some friends last night, and um, we totally just missed that you're supposed to go to Guybrush first, and he'll have like dialogue for you there. We like went straight up to uh, Herman Toothrot's 
place and made like the the banana oil. Um, just just had no idea that Guybrush was on the other side of the island with stuff he wanted to say. We didn't let him say it. Yeah, I actually did the same thing. I went to the banana oil place first, and then talked in, to Guybrush. In a in a way, I in a way I do like that. I like that you're not like stuck doing it in a linear structure you especially with this third one you can just like go anywhere on the island just do it in whatever order you see fit but uh i think yeah that's just how it be i think they could have maybe like where your ship first arrives to the island if it had been kind of really close to where guybrush was and that is just like a natural way to like encourage like put you right next to Guybrush and you still could like ignore him if you wanted to, but like it would encourage you to go talk to him first. That might've worked better. Cause I agree. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it does tell you in the book that you can read. Yeah. It like, tells you where he is, meet, but he's over here. Meet me at the big monkey head. And, but you can just not. Um, but so the reason that the second of the three is the Halloween one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> is so I'm playing it by myself. Yes. And it's the one where uh, in the first tale you explore the the town of Melee Island, like specifically just the buildings yeah. and the people. But in the second tale, you're still on Melee Island, but you uh clear out this fog that allows you to get access to the backside of the island, which is this uh kind of thick temperate forest. Is temperate the right kind of forest? I don't I'm not a tree, man. But um this like northern style forest of of evergreen trees or whatever and it's obviously the whole tale is set at nighttime with the full moon um and you go to this forest and you can if you're in like the like the forest forest part of it like if you enter through the little uh pathways you can see like ghosts walking around like the go- like ghost memories of guybrush and then you right. go, and, it, and eventually you'll do insult sword fighting where you have to fight ghost skeletons. And there's a part where there's, like, this beast, and you have to, this guy needs you to help, like, tame his beast because it escaped. And there's, like, bones, <laughs> and, like, you walk around the back, and there's, like, a spooky shadow up in the cave. And you're like, that's the beast, and there's, like, all these human bones on the ground. And then... So all of these are, are scary. These are like slightly <laughs> yeah. unset, unsettling features. A, a forest at night with the full moon and the ghosts and the skeletons and the beast and the bones. Scary. And then there's ah! and then there's a carnival. Scary. <laughs> and then you talk to Stan. And Stan might be the scariest thing in Sea of Thieves. Um, <laughs> because when you talk to him, he suddenly like locks onto you. And no matter where you walk, he follows while pointing, he really sneaks up on you. He's like pointing around in the air, and his uh, his like suit jacket has a, a texture on it that doesn't make sense to your brain. And right. You start wondering. Right. The texture if, stays put when he moves the jacket. Right. And so you start wondering if you're in the twilight zone, and it's. <laughs> I think. And the Are thing you is, okay? that I pl- I, I'm okay. Is I okay. I. I say all these things, but I actually love Halloween, so I loved this about it. But yeah, I I thought it was great. I I, I played it, and I was like, you know, I I I usually play the game with friends, but when I'm playing it for 
to study it for the like create guides and stuff i play by myself and i was like this is the first time i really feel kind of unsettled there's some creepy forest action going on out here and i wasn't like scared i was just like unsettled and then i played it with heil and we had a group of four of us we're all joking and yoking and i got the feeling he wasn't scared <laughs> like, like at all yeah <laughs> i i was like i'm gonna have to talk because i will be on his podcast to talk about this uh eventually and what a little I was like, celebrity when we talk about are. it is he gonna is he gonna think that this was the halloween one or not Am I crazy? <laughs> well, I, I can see how it would be. Like, for Mitchell and I, we know this island ain't shit. There's nothing scary on this island. It, it's There's goofball town. Literal but for skeletons. Someone who's, yeah. <laughs> but for someone who isn't, uh, you know, a, a Monkey Island uh, pro, I can see it being uh, kind of creepy with that, like, forest. Yeah, I guess that's uh, the, the, the difference between the tone of Sea of Thieves and Monkey Island, because in, on paper, they're very similar. Uh, they're, they both use a good amount of, like, Caribbean or Louisiana-style, um, like, hokum as their backbone for the supernatural stuff. And then also the sort of realistic-ish kind of golden age of piracy that actually happened in the Caribbean at that time, uh, plus blending it with a, a a fair bit of, like, fourth-wall-breaking comedy. But the way those two things trade on those values is very different. So Monkey Island will break the fourth wall, or, or at least, like, purposefully break immersion for the sake of a joke, in that you'll be walking around this uh like hundreds of years old setting with pirate stuff like high piracy age stuff and then you'll find a vending machine with root beer in it like that's the kind of deal they're doing right uh and then sea of thieves leans a, a little bit more authentic but also a little bit more supernatural uh so you have this interesting conflation here where monkey island is always very silly uh, but, like, they're using the iconography of, if you stop and think about it only, but, like, truly very scary-ish kind of, kinds of things. But then they just, like, deflate their own soccer ball on it. They, they just uh, kind of mushmouth it. And in Sea of Thieves, you can actually feel those things again. So it, it's kind of like an awakening of some of the... Uh, some some of the toothier parts of Monkey Island, like the fact that hey, we do have a setting that's just full of ghost skeletons, and Sea of Thieves has a combat system. In Monkey Island, even though those ghost skeletons would never do anything, uh, on purpose as the joke, in Sea of Thieves, you're gonna fight them because you have a sword, and that's a it, it's mm-hmm. it's a like both sides of this thing never really had this thing happen until you got together. Like, I was thinking about, uh, okay, so the way this whole story ends is a fight with LeChuck. And it uses some insult sword fighting from uh, Monkey Island, but also some, like, genuine combat stuff from Sea of Thieves. And as I was doing it, I was thinking, wow, is this the first time I've fought LeChuck? Because there's fights with (laughs) LeChuck in uh, in the Monkey Island series, but they're always, like, lure him over to this place... So, like, he tricks himself into using the environment against himself. 
something yeah, like that. They're just puzzles. Yeah, they're puzzles. This is the first time you fight LeChuck, and it's it's kind of weird, but it it fits. It still feels like LeChuck. It doesn't feel like sacrilege. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you use the insult sword fighting against him too. Um, I I I forget. Do you you do it a little bit in return, but not much here. It's like the main thing. The insult sword fighting. They, yeah. they 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 locked onto it maybe as like a way to merge something that is authentic to Monkey Island with the more kinetic gameplay of Sea of Thieves with like actual sword fighting. Yeah. So they're like, we can just graft this mechanic onto our regular sword fighting mechanics and honestly, marry the two. Honestly, it's a lot more satisfying when you can pull off the right insult and then do actual like hitting with your sword. And yeah, stuff. make them feel bad right. and then slice them down. Yeah, and Sea of Thieves <laughs> isn't like, it, it's not known for having uh, a very deep combat system. Um, but it is no. like it, it is kinetic and it is like physical. Like you, you are swiping as you tr- hit the trigger and you and you're blocking and things. And and it, it, there's a, a physicality to it, which is different than in the point and click games where you're just kind of um, mostly just hitting dialogue options and then like watching scenes play out. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Sea of Thieves is it you forget it sometimes because it often doesn't feel this way. But the genre of game that it is, is first-person shooter. Um, So the melee-style combat they have in the game is really just the same, like, level of slappers in GoldenEye or, 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 you know, whatever. Like, if you get a sword in a Halo game or if you get a sword in a Call of Duty where it's like, okay, this is your secondary. Um, But in Monkey Island, or in Legends of Monkey Island... um, it feels like it's designed to put the sword fighting first before any of the gun stuff. Um, like, I don't think yeah. you can really do the LeChuck fight or any of the sword fighting fights with your gun. I don't think that does it. Because um, you're, you're forced to block at certain points in order to get through right. the fight. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it works because, obviously, the the thing about the mechanics of combat in Sea of Thieves is that they can be used in these on-rails, story-based missions against AI threats, but the same exact mechanics can be used from one player fighting another player. So that is actually their primary use. Like, that's what it was invented for. Mm-hmm. The game was designed to put players against players in sword fights and gunfights and ship fights. Uh, but then when they started adding in story, you know, and things, they made AI enemies and... I think that when you have this opportunity to tell this Monkey Island, Monkey Island story, you have the opportunity to kind of like uh, maybe pigeonhole the combat in that context to be what you want it to be. And I, so I agree with you that they kind of really made the sword fights take the forefront there, whereas maybe in average gameplay, it's more balanced of using guns a lot and then bringing in the sword. Um Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the really just... high-level, like, Twitch streamer players of Sea of Thieves, they always have two guns, two different kinds of guns, and no swords uh, equipped. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah. I can't imagine playing that way. I always have to have a sword in order Same. to feel like I can do something. Because you only have five uh, five ammo units for any gun yeah. that right. you're using. 
Yeah, like I said, the, the combat in Sea of Thieves is not known to be incredibly deep. Uh, and then, so, the the difference between, like, average level play and high level play is so stark because most players don't go deep with it because there's not much there's not much of a curve to it it's either you're like god level good at it or you're just like most people are just kind of casual about it and um yeah you only have five bullets which means that you kind of have to favor the sword uh unless you're really good um so yeah i i i think that the insult sword fighting as a concept is not my favorite because of the the at least the way it is in the second tale in the second tale yeah it, it, where it's it's never been the one of my favorite things in the idea series. of it is that you have to fail you have to lose sword fights yeah. so that you can learn new insults and it's basically grinding it's it, you, you yeah it's just a grind like you have to go through x amount of fights and there's a little rng to it and then you can like use the insults and learn new insults and um it's fine i didn't hate it by any means but it's not like it's not the standout moment of that tale. I feel like the first time I was going through two, it was a lot more frustrating. I, I don't know what it was, but it just felt like it, it felt like it does in the actual Monkey Island games where it just feels like, oh, I'm, I'm just getting screwed out of getting the right responses I need. But when we did it on uh, the DK Vine stream, I felt like it went a lot smoother. Uh, it, it, it is better than it is in Monkey Island games, at least, since you get to do the actual... Uh, slashing but i thought it was good in uh the third episode since you don't have to do any of the grinding you just the puzzle is finding out which of these responses fits lechuk yeah right you're already given the responses you just have to choose the right one yeah that's a lot more satisfying the thing with the series is that i think they knew that early on because if you look at monkey island and monkey island 2 and curse of monkey island uh and tales especially and tails does it so uh, well. they they keep changing up the form in which insult sword fighting takes uh because they they do bring it back basically every time i don't know about escape um but when they do it they they incorporate it in a different way everything and, and I'll, I'll say this as another weakness everything in legend of monkey island within sea of thieves is a direct reference to the whole plot of Secret of Monkey Island, the first Monkey Island game. There's very little yeah. else from like Monkey Island 2 or uh, Tales or Return that itself is not a uh, Monkey Island 1 reference or Curse or anything like that. Um, like, like the plot of Secret of Monkey Island is you start at that like southern coast of the island where you're in the town and you do a bunch of stuff in the town and then you move to the back of the island, which is what you do in um, episode two. And then you move to Monkey Island, which is what you do in the, the third act of the game or in the third episode of this thing. And because there's so like, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun that it's a nostalgic tour of the original game. Uh, but the Monkey Island series is way bigger than that. Uh, so, feeling I, I wonder if they felt that they had to do insult sword fighting in the same way as the original game when the series right. itself has really grown past the grinding aspect of it all um mm -hmm. you don't do that anymore in in the later monkey island games because i think it's understood that it's a different kind of game than an rpg at the time 
point-and-click adventure games or like narrative adventure games kind of were thought of as within the same world as RPGs. Um, just in, in that late 80s, early 90s when we're kind of just figuring out what video games are still a little bit. Um, you, you had the story things like Monkey Island or Final Fantasy and then the action things like a Mario or a football. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is really just a, 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 a sort of a story-ish kind of thing in a time period when you, you had grinding in those and it did not yeah. have to be in this. But it's no, it's agree. also not as bad as it is in the original game either. It's it's mostly fun. Yeah. And I will say the thing that helps get you through it, like I, I think it is a grind and it's not the strongest point in these tales. But, you know, you're unlocking funny insult, like, comebacks. Like, the writing, I think that, that that's the thing that maybe with any of these games is when the gameplay is weak, you hope that at least the writing is good. Yeah, um, and it usually is. And it usually is. It's like a bright spot to highlight, yeah. you know, bring up maybe the weaker parts. So, yeah, the writing is great on that, and that at least helps it a little. And then at the end of Tale 2, or at the end of the insult sword fighting part, of tale two you do a slight twist on the insight so insult sword fighting where you fight a boss yeah and you have all the retorts that you have learned up to that point but the boss will use different insults so the puzzle is just figuring out which retorts you already know work as well for these new insults as they did for the old insults. So I I can't think of an example, but it'll have been two different insults that have the same comeback that kind of yeah. snaps back at them. And that, that was kind of a fun puzzle that again, it didn't require the grind because that part was over. Yeah. And that, that's how they do it in the original game too. Jeff, there's a really good one. Uh, like I think Dustin, we've talked about this. This is our, our favorite in the fifth episode of tales of monkey Island. Um, you are going you're doing this like three-way fight between it's Guybrush, Morgan Le Fay, who's a uh, a pi- she's a pirate hunter. She's like a Van Helsing of pirates. Um and then an, an undead guy who doesn't matter. And in in that <laughs> fight, uh, you're trying to get Morgan to feel better about herself while also just fighting this guy, this other guy for real. So Based on what they both say, you need to pick something. And there's no collection, so you just pick out of, like, a a few things that you have. Uh, You need to pick something that somehow refers to what she said and makes her feel better about herself and refers to what he said and makes him feel worse about himself in just in with one sentence. It's such a clever way to do it. No grinding. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, maybe you should maybe you should play again. Uh, I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about the storyline of Sea of Thieves leading up to this arc. Uh, and Jeff, I, we might need some help here. Okay. Yeah, uh, because it it turns out it didn't really feel that way at the time, but it turns out that what was happening in the uh, like the weekly adventures and some of the mysteries that were going on in Sea of Thieves. They were uh, leading toward this story moment where there was uh, a version of the pirate lord who is like the, the most benevolent, 
sort of ruler of the Sea of Thieves, but he's not really in charge. He's just kind of like a figurehead. Everyone loves the Pirate Lord. Um, he basically stands for making sure nobody's in charge. Yeah. And that, like, everyone gets to kind of be in a free, equal, like, pirate paradise, sort yeah. of. Um, where no evildoers get to come in and just be like, well, I'm the strongest pirate, so I get to kill and enslave everyone. And he's like, no, we're all pirates. We got to make sure that we all get to still be pirates or whatever. Yeah. So leading, yeah, leading up in, in, in the months leading up to this uh, arc, it, it looked like he was doing some bad stuff. Which I, I don't know all the things that he did, but he was. it looked like Ramsey, the pirate lord, was responsible for some really out of character things. Yeah, so um, it's really, honestly, not as involved as you might think. There really was basically one month of that really tied into it, and uh, and again, I, it, if you miss that, you miss that that you can't experience that. But I don't think that it will stop you from enjoying the Monkey Island Tall Tales. I don't sure. think it's context; it's not context that you absolutely need. Um, but right. just so you have that context. Um, there was an adventure, and an, an adventure is a limited time story that is going on that has some gameplay challenges you can do that also progress the story of the game. And that's that was it for a limited time event. That's gone now. But there was an adventure where um, the pirate lord seemingly sends you on a quest that culminates in you breaking into a sort of a vault where dangerous artifacts and important Sea of Thieves um, artifacts from from previous moments in the story are stored. And uh, it culminates in this pirate lord revealing themselves to have been an imposter the entire time, and you helped them break in so they could steal a magical sword that's called the the Burning sword Boy. of souls okay it, it's it's originally called the sword of souls sword of souls sorry and uh which was the sword that was given to arthur pendragon and <laughs> arthur pendragon 83 video game <laughs> carnage insane it's so it's so cool. yeah right from from uh black witch and uh, all these commodore 64 games that the predecessor company that became rare made and then Rare making Sea of Thieves 30 years later put this character from these 1980s Commodore 64 games in Sea of Thieves and, and made him a main character. Yeah, so it Arthur kind Pendragon, of, like, like in a really big way too, not not even just yeah. in a little crossover. It like almost retroactively makes Sea of Thieves a long, long gapped sequel to, uh, or, or spinoff maybe, of these Commodore 64 games. <laughs> From 30 yeah, years awesome. ago. Right. I, I I can't remember all of them. There's Black Witch, Entombed. Uh, Sta- uh, the, I believe the first one is the Staff of Karnath. Staff of Karnath. So th- I think there was five of them, maybe four. I think four. And, C- there, and then so Sea of Thieves is like the long-awaited fifth sequel of the Arthur Pendragon video games. Yeah. But um, <laughs> a- anyways, so he was a main character. There was, there was an event in the game where players across the globe had to kind of choose a side and cause one of two things to happen 
And uh, what ended up being the fallout of that is that Arthur Pendragon's soul was bound and basically he, he's trapped in an eternal sort of damnation. And he had this sort of souls, which was a magical artifact that allowed him to release bound souls. So it's kind of ironic that his soul eventually gets bound. Um, but yeah, his the sword basically got cursed in the process of this ritual that he that it backfired on him and now the sword is a dangerous artifact that is now called the burning blade because it's been imbued with captain flameheart's energies and captain flameheart is a bad guy in sea of thieves so long story short somebody impersonated the pirate lord yeah. to try and break into the pirate lord's secret like garage and like <laughs> steal his really cursed lawnmower or something, and uh, you helped him. You helped him break in, and then you found out that wasn't really the pirate lord. And and it kind of leaves on a little cliffhanger where you're like, I don't know who it was, but it wasn't the good guys. And then these tall tales start up, and you realize at the end of the first one that it was in fact LeChuck who was impersonating. Oh the pirate my lord. goodness! Yeah, plot twist. Yeah, yeah, it it was it's interesting that like way before it was even announced that there would be this Monkey Island crossover, there's this character going around Sea of Thieves doing stuff um that is LeChuck. <laughs> that yeah, yeah very yeah. very weird. Um it's it's it reminds me cuz they did the Pirates of the Caribbean one 2 years ago. Yeah. And that was revealed at E3 in 2021 21 yeah and it was yeah it was 21 it was revealed at E3 and it was revealed that it was also going to release in like 2 weeks it was like a very surprise like we're doing this and it's coming out in 2 weeks and uh that was surprising cuz Sea of Thieves usually never did anything like that they have like an insider beta test program that their fans can take part in, and usually there's nothing that is a surprise because you can test things before they come out, but that one didn't get to be tested by people. That one was kept a secret, and it was never leaked. But what was interesting with that is that for over six months, they had a plot thread involving this character, Duke, who was uh, one of the bilge rats, who are these adventurous-type pirates, and he was kind of going down this dark path um, to become sort of a bad guy. And it was this ongoing plot thread about like ships were getting stolen by sirens, ev- evil mermaids, and, and Duke was investigating it. And then you find out that the entire thing was absolutely just integrally building up to a Pirates of the Caribbean story. Yeah. Yeah. This <laughs> but is for six, for six months, you couldn't tell that that was what it was about. Sea of Thieves does its crossovers in a very embedded way. As opposed to something like Smash Brothers or, um, like, I guess Fortnite, Fortnite. nowadays, yeah. Uh, Just something you can easily shrug off. Yeah, yeah. Like, w- with Smash Brothers, if you're trying to figure out the, the Legend of Zelda timeline, which is a an oft-considered pastime of Zelda fans for the last 30 years, uh, you, don't, you don't include Smash Brothers. And you <laughs> certainly don't include... Like all of the other series that are connected to it via Smash Brothers, um, that it doesn't make sense 
to do really it's it's so much you can still if you want i think you could you could consider smash brothers as part of it but like you would never say oh and that means also it's splatoon's in there um (laughs) it's it's a lot with sea of thieves it is so clearly like part of the story both long before and long after these tall tales happened that like yeah dude pirates of the caribbean is in this world it is they are they are in in some sort of multiverse or with uh monkey island i don't even think it's a multiverse it's kind of just like in it yeah um, it sort of just implied that it's in the same caribbean yeah as the yeah. sea of thieves yeah yeah uh there, there was a moment when i was starting up tale three when i i had decked my ship out in uh, a ship customization set called baron bird which is a banjo kazooie inspired set but also like another thing that sea of thieves is is like it's lightly in the same universe of specific other rare games that they've put out in the past. We talked about the Pendragon stuff, but uh, like that's just the most notable. It's also in the same universe as Banjo-Kazooie. Like, it is. Um, and, and it has prophecies about what will happen later that you can find in, in various parts of the game. So I'm in my, like, official Banjo-Kazooie uh, ship set that makes the game kind of kind of canon with banjo kazooie uh and then i'm approaching monkey island from the monkey island franchise (laughs) to go find a group of pirates who have stolen the black pearl from pirates of the caribbean on which uh one, one of those pirates's jacket is a button that says ask me about loom like some somehow it's implied that this pirate actually did play the 1990 computer game Loom. And also, <laughs> the the Burning Blade is in this uh, episode later. And that's it's got Pendragon associated with it. So that's like four other games. It's the weirdest crossover yeah. ever. Because it, it, none of these things are like... Well, s- some of these things are huge. Like the Pirates of the Caribbean series is huge. Um, right. Like, like Monkey Island is, is huge within the space it's in. Banjo-Kazooie is huge within the space it's in. Sea of Thieves is a pretty big game. But, like, also, it, it's just, like, a weird collection of things that are only related to each other because they make sense to be thematically and are full canon with each other and are not just, like, this is a weird crossover that you can ignore. It's, like, full yeah. in there. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a like, sort it's of... important to the, what's going yeah. on. It's sort of an omniquil. It's like a it's a sequel to some things. It's a midquil to Monkey Island. It's a prequel to many things. And the things that are all tied together, many of them are semi-niche things. Yeah. And um and you know, to me it makes sense for like Pirates of the Caribbean and Monkey Island and Sea of Thieves to all cross over in ways because of like the way that like the progression of fantasy pirate fiction everything is curbed from everything like the monkey island game was based a lot on that book on stranger tides but it's also heavily inspired by the pirates of the caribbean disney ride but then the pirates of the caribbean movie um curse of the black pearl was heavily inspired by monkey island yeah so it's like Mm -hmm. a tail eating the the snake or the snake eating the tail (laughs) and then like like the other way sea of thieves 
has its own lore that it invented that was clearly cribbed from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like the idea of um, the cursed Aztec gold that turns the the crew of the Black Pearl yeah. into like zo- zombies. That is just the basis for the Sea of Thieves lore of cursed gold that creates the skeletons. And then they actually crossed over with Sea of Thieves. So like the thing that they that inspired them then was in it and sharing like a space. And then Monkey Island gets in it. And there's a so there's this character in Sea of Thieves lore that is the most ominous, mysterious character nobody knows anything about. And it has been teased all the way back in a book that released in 2016, two years before the game came out, in this book called Tales from the Sea of Thieves. And they, they tease the existence of a character that's just called the Captain. Cap'n. And really or the Cap'n. Yeah, yeah. Cap'n or Captain. They've they've used it both. Oh, ways. have they? Okay. And, I'm yeah, sorry yeah. for my non correct. No, 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 you're right. But Cap'n Cap'n is how he originally was. And he's he's gone it's gone both ways, but and it still goes back and forth. But they reference this Cap'n again in the Pirates of the Caribbean story where he was like the boss of Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like Davy Jones comes in and is like, I'm going to be a bad guy in this new world. And the captain's the captain is the guy who invited him. The captain was like, Hey, I'm going to send you an artifact that lets you travel from your multiverse, your, your universe to my universe. Cause I'm like the Omni pirate bad guy. And nobody still knows who he is. And leading into this legend of monkey Island, tall tale set, there were some people speculating that maybe the captain is LeChuck. Mm-hmm. And that did not come to pass. So I'm still sitting here not knowing, like, what is the truth? Like, what? when will it be revealed? And I have been convinced for a while that it is just Captain Hook. I was also thinking for a while <laughs> that it's Captain Hook. Like, they have not referenced Captain Hook, like, like the way that they referenced Monkey Island before they did a Monkey Island crossover. Um, they have referenced the Goonies in the canon. Yeah, they've that's... done a lot, a lot of references to the Goonies. Yeah, so. Goonies is also connected in Sea of Thieves in, in a way that is like more than a crossover. <laughs> right. It's they weird. just say <laughs> that One-Eyed Willie on the Inferno actually sailed the Sea of Thieves, like in pirate times. I'm like, guys, all, are all all of the pirates, all of them? <laughs> but no, it's just all one. They haven't referenced Captain Hook directly yet but i think the captain will be captain hook and that will be bringing it all full circle obviously the original the original pirate fiction of all pirate fictions is treasure island and treasure island is in canon with peter pan and captain hook treasure island the novel the book the original references peter pan because those books were coming out at the same time and both those authors were friends and Peter Pan references Treasure Island. They're, those books are in the same universe. It's pretty crazy stuff. Basically, all of pirate fiction for the past 200 years is just built on what came before in ways that kind of connect to each other. It's wild. Yeah, and yeah. Then Sea of Thieves is kind of cashing that check finally of like, okay, let's let's see how that goes. If they do all kind of come together. Um, <laughs> what is this podcast about? Yeah, it's about uh, well, pirates. <laughs> it's about pirates, actually. It's about pirates. Yeah. So, okay. So, that's the setup. We, we've got LeChuck impersonating uh, Ramsey the Pirate Lord. And he wants to basically take over the Sea of Thieves. Uh, LeChuck is also, I, I, it's worth noting, the first character in Sea of Thieves that is... 
evil in a way that is cartoonish uh, because He's everyone else has like goals guy. you know uh they're, they're like realistic people with uh we, we, we've seen the gold hoarder who is not evil the gold hoarder is gold hungry and gold hoarder is cursed to want gold and we've seen flameheart who uh it's probably the like closest thing we've had to evil incarnate in the sea of thieves but still he's like he's a politician like he's got a right. he, he's got he an has idea a philosophy. for what he wants to happen which is why he's doing right. what he's doing lechuk really just is kind of a bad guy <laughs> which has always <laughs> been fun uh he's he's bowser yeah, I, really he's just bowser lechuk Le, i mean lechuk's probably my like favorite villain in anything ever uh, I, I like that they're able to uh, straddle the line between making him uh, like an actual threat and making him just a goofy asshole. Yeah. Like he 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 uses the word nincompoops in the last episode. He does. No, no like scary like actual villain with motivations it, that should be taken seriously would ever say that. Yeah, if Flameheart said nincompoop, I think like he's done. <laughs> he's just <laughs> you nincompoop. Yeah, he, he would he no just... longer have a following. <laughs> He poofs into a cloud of smoke like, even geez. more than he is already mostly a cloud of smoke and uh, <laughs> just dis- disintegrates into the Sea of Thieves because he said the wrong word that made him not cool. <laughs> That's going on YouTube, bro. <laughs> Dude, kind of cringe. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lechuk, yeah, so it, it, it's interesting you bring that up, LeChuck, and, and kind of the tonal element of that because there's a lot of things that I was very curious how were they going to mesh bringing that thing from Monkey Island into Sea of Thieves in a way that I just didn't think Sea of Thieves could do that thing. Like like you mentioned earlier, the kind of jokes where it's it's clearly set in the 1700s, but then there's a vending machine with root yeah. beer. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, ooh. Sea of Thieves would not have done work that. in yeah. Sea of Thieves? Yeah. And they... I, what they do is very clever. I think they do a good job of maintaining the jokes while what's the the word for it they like kind of retrograde interpreting it yeah they reinterpret it and retro everything in a way that like makes it believably constructed by like pirates yeah it's, yeah. it's also sort of a walled garden in this uh monkey island area uh because right. like the, the story of it is that guybrush found his way here and then i guess died <laughs> at some point uh and ended up in the sea of the damned um, which is a, lo- a long-established Sea of Thieves thing that they kind of used at first as r- rationale for how MMOs work, where, like, if your character dies, they have to come back to life. Um, well, well, did Guybrush die, or did he no. go through a portal? Guybrush didn't the die. He, I think oh, okay, that Guybrush, okay. and El- Guybrush and Elaine, while sailing on their honeymoon, accidentally sail through a portal and end up in the Sea of the Dam, which is what your pirates do when they start the tale. They sail through yeah. a portal... They don't die. Yeah, they do it, it on also, purpose, though. It, yeah, it's, right. Yeah. yeah, but it happened to. Yeah, and then LeChuck kind of follows him. Um, the same thing happened to the crew of the cursed captain who sailed into the Sea of Thieves in the first Pirates of the Caribbean Tall Tale, A Pirate's Life. Mm-hmm. They don't die to get into the Sea of the Damned. They just end up in a storm that takes them through a portal, and then while in the Sea of the Damned, some of them got some cursed gold and turned to skeletons. And the rest of them eventually died, actually, and turned to ghosts. So some of them are skeletons and some of them... Anyway, this is not important. Well, no, I think <laughs> it is important because the Sea of the, sea of the Damned is kind of like a pocket dimension 
within Sea of Thieves, which itself is almost a pocket dimension within the larger world around it. Uh, yeah. in, in the Sea of the Damned, the way it works is that uh, when you die, when your character dies, uh, it, it is the story that your character has been deemed worthy by a mysterious figure known, known as the Ferryman, who sails the Sea of the Damned and shepherds souls back into the living. So you just need to wait on the Ferryman's ship for a, a few seconds, and then you can walk through a, a portal on his ship back into the Sea of Thieves. Uh, not every soul has that affordance, though. And uh, so Guybrush got, gets stuck in the Sea of the Damned, and uh, a feature of the Sea of the Damned is that the longer you stay there, the more your memories and just the, the, the aspects of your life that have filled you up to the point that you are, like have, have made you who you are, they start spreading out, and they, they manifest physically around you. Which is why we're able to get a uh, a version of Melee Island is found in the Sea of the Damned, uh, and th- that's, that's right. the Melee Island that we're on. We're not actually on the real Melee Island, right? Um, it's yeah, it's like you're walking physically through a dream of Guybrush. Uh, that's what the Sea of the Damned does. It brings your memories to life as real places, and then LeChuck, using the magic of the Burning Blade sort of uses this to create a prison for Guybrush where Mm -hmm. all of the manifestations there are making Guybrush sort of live out a fantasy that he is incapable of waking up from. Yeah, so that's the premise. And out of everyone else that is involved in this, uh, so Guybrush and Elaine... But by the way, okay, here's the thing about Return to Monkey Island. In Return to Monkey Island, the game that came out last year, there's a scrapbook that you get at the end after finishing the game that you can just read through and you can see, like, Elaine and Guybrush's life together. They, they've made a little scrapbook. Well, book. well you, you have it at the beginning of the game, but if you play it after you beat it, it fills up with the stuff from that game. Sure, right. Sorry. You're right. Uh, it's there the whole time. But you, it's, it's just, a, like, a way to get caught up with the story. Yeah. And if you click on an object in the, uh, the, the book... It'll have a couple lines from Guybrush just saying what it is and why it was important. And there's one bit at the end of the page on Curse of Monkey Island that is, I think, like a wedding ribbon of some sort. That if you click it, uh, Guybrush says, yeah, and then after that we uh, went on our honeymoon. And I guess that's a story for another time. So, like, even in that game, it does... I don't know. If they were, like, trying to specifically set up this <laughs> Sea of Thieves thing, which it, it, it would have been talked about already at the time of release of Return, so it's possible. Um, but it just it just does such a good job of, like, being referenced within Sea of Thieves in, uh, in and of itself and also within uh, the Monkey Island series. It just it really is something that happened to Guybrush. Uh, so, okay, yeah. so Guybrush it, and it's worth It's worth pointing out that when the Pirates of the Caribbean tale came out, in 2021, they already referenced Monkey Island and that Guybrush went to Sea of Thieves on his honeymoon. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it may have been the case that during the development of Return that they were referencing that or that they were already like talking about the legend of Monkey Island tall tales. But yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, even just back in the original games, Curse ends with them like sailing away to a honeymoon and they don't say where they're going. And Escape starts 
talking about like yeah so we had this honeymoon but yeah so like even even way back then the, the idea of this honeymoon maybe being an adventure you didn't see was kind of long established um mm-hmm. so it's, it's cool to have for it to have come in in this really weird form later on um yeah so guybrush and elaine go through lechuck sort of follows them also following is kate capsize mm-hmm. um who is a almost a throwaway character from monkey island 2 uh, just, just like someone that you kind of screw over in a puzzle. I'm surprised it took so long to bring her back. Yeah, she's uh, she's a very fun character in Monkey Island too, but she really is just someone who has this ship that you need, and you like swindle her out of it, and also end up putting her in jail in the process. Um, yeah. So then in in this, she because she's not on LeChuck's radar, I guess actually makes it to the sea of thieves and invites you to go screw with guybrush because he owes her a ship still uh and so like she's really the impetus for how you get there and uh what what you do there so yeah that that's that's a cool aspect of it too the story itself we've kind of been like talking about about the story if you know what i mean the story itself there's really not much to it guybrush is stuck in this dream and um, the the character who is formerly known as the Voodoo Lady and now is known only as Karina, uh, her her uh, her new official name that she has supposedly always had but was never stated until return. Um, <laughs> she helps you concoct a little potion to wake him up. Once he's woken up, it's determined that um, what he so you're on Melee Island right right now. What you really need to go is uh, to Monkey Island. And that's where LeChuck's lair is, so you can find LeChuck and uh, just ruin his life again. <laughs> so, right. and that, that's what so you do, Guybrush, that's the whole story. Guybrush thinks he needs to rescue Elaine. Uh, and I think it turns out to be the case that Elaine kind of rescues Guybrush with, with Kate capsized. In Always the case. Um, yeah, that, that's usually how yeah. it goes. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and then um, LeChuck's plan... Ultimately, after you've thwarted uh, his little imprisonment of of Guybrush, is that he can use the Burning Blade's power to subject people to his will and kind of force Elaine to marry him. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you, being the good guy, end up stopping that from happening. Right, and that, that is basically That's the it. story. That's the, the, the long and the short of it. Um, what happens to the, the sword? The burning blade at the very end. The pirate lord takes it away, which is kind of just what they always do in Sea of Thieves. Like, all right, big powerful artifact. It's going to be like the impetus of the story and the center point. And at the end, he's like, I'll go take this away for safekeeping. It's too dangerous for pirates to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And um, (laughs) it's like, I guess, dude, we already broke into your garage and stole it once. What do you think? I can't do it again. Like, um, (laughs) Anyway, but it's just kind of what happens. But yeah, the Pirate Lord, it it's interesting because you mentioned how they had built up to this with stories that you didn't know that the stories that were building up yeah. were building up to this. But in spite of that, overall, this is still incredibly self-contained. Yes. And I much more so than the Pirates of the Caribbean story was. Um. 
I think that one had much more lasting impact on the Sea of Thieves world and story. And this one you could kind of ignore, and it, you wouldn't miss anything about the Sea of Thieves story. Yeah, what, what's interesting with that is, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff in that arc was all about, like, it's a Sea of Thieves story, but we're, we're using these characters and these settings and, and these, uh, like, ideas to further that Sea of Thieves story. This just is a Monkey Island game that they put in Sea of Thieves, and I don't understand the, like, economics of that of t- 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 to decide that's like a financially stable thing to do um but cool man that's awesome that's wild yeah i love yeah. it um as a longtime sea of thieves fan jeff and a a not long time monkey island fan maybe you don't have much of an emotional connection to monkey island how do you feel about that that there's just a monkey island game in there like what's your what's your take I I enjoy it. I enjoyed it like tremendously, like as just an activity. But I don't I don't have a strong emotional reaction to it. I think that I was in terms of the overall story and things. I was a lot more invested in the Pirates of the Caribbean one, not because I'm more invested in Pirates of the Caribbean, but because the story they were telling was more integral to Sea of Thieves itself. And it also had, I think, more of an emotional resonance. Like, this one is a bit more of just a comedy. Yeah. And that that one right. was like, with Pirates of the Caribbean, you can be a little bit, like, straight-faced and dramatic and have just, like, rousing speeches about standing up to tyranny and stuff. And that maybe just doesn't fit the tone of the Monkey Island thing. Um, but I felt like, you know, that the Pirates of the Caribbean one almost brought me to tears at, at a time or two. And this one wow. doesn't do anything like that, which is not a bad thing. Um, but it's definitely, it just doesn't stick with me in the same way. It's like, it just was a fun thing to do. And it makes me want more gameplay experiences like it. Yeah. But but nothing really from a story perspective mattered to me um, or will continue to matter. And it also just, it gives me this feeling of like, as a Sea of Thieves fan, like, why can't they have a big, splashy story expansion like this that isn't attached to somebody else's IP? That, like, they yeah. could at E3 drop a trailer that's like, the new big story in Sea of Thieves. It's about Sea of Thieves, and it is in the Sea of Thieves, <laughs> yeah. and all the characters are Sea yeah. of Thieves. What a concept. It's like, no, every time they do this, they're like, oh, it's it's an IP crossover. It's somebody else's story. And I'm like, that's cool, and I enjoy it. But, like, I, I want that for Captain Flameheart, you know, and I want that for right. the Pirate Lord and the characters of Sea of Thieves to have their moments. Yeah, I, I bet they will do it, or at least something like that whenever they uh they want to bring in who the captain is uh provided it's not captain hook <laughs> right uh, i mean cause the, the other option might be captain black eye which is a, another rare character. that would be great yeah yeah i really would That'd like it fun. to be captain black eye please uh i don't think it will be though <laughs> please uh because i think captain black eye is referenced in that same book that referenced captain a few times. is ref- referenced in so i don't think they would be the same character um, yeah, it might not be. Yeah, in, in any case, whenever they do that, I, I bet there'll be something. For for now, like, it's interesting that you say that because it's just such a comedy, 
uh, they don't really end in an emotionally resonant place because I think that's true in what it is. But if you look at the Sea of Thieves series, like the ending of Tales or the ending of Return are so wildly emotionally resonant. They're so good. They're so good. And then this one is like, just because of where it is in the timeline, you need to start with Elaine and Guybrush married and uh, LeChuck on the down low and then end that way too. Like nothing can really change that much for them. And Well, not only that, but it's mostly based on the first game, which is just a straight comedy. You're not going to get any big emotional moments out of it. Yeah, it, it takes a while for the series to kind of ramp up to where right um, especially I, the end of return like just what that's doing is so uh, good i do yeah. get the feeling that this is like the you know the team at, at rare the team at sea of thieves obviously like monkey island but it might be the case that like as fans of monkey island they are fans of the secret of monkey island which is kind of the big one and then, like, if you've played all the sequels, you're probably in a, mi- in a in a minority among a minority. I believe that's the case, yeah. Well, at least Monkey Island, yeah. like, one and two. Because then everything yeah. after that was, like, so much later than it and so much different than, than those two things. Yeah, by, made by different people. Made by different people, like the, yeah. A lot of the time. The, the point in time when, it, when Monkey Island made the cultural impact that Monkey Island has is really that original one or, or one or two. And yeah. it's like, there's been more since then, but those were after Monkey Island was, you know, had the impact of Monkey Island. Well, well, maybe. Right. I don't know. Because, like, the the Monkey Island series is a lot like the Earthbound series. Or, I guess, just the game Earthbound. Uh, in that it's, it's quite well known now. And it has clearly gotten this cult favorite status to it where people in the world of video games really really love it but like at the time it came out i think they they said it publicly like within its first uh few weeks monkey island sold like forty thousand copies less like we're, we're in the five digits of copies that that game sold yeah. in the time it was relevant and then just it, it it's a rolling thing so eventually I think, people talk to each other enough because just the number of people who gamed on computers in 1990 was so low oh sure yeah that's a good point yeah i think too the fact that monkey island is a lucas arts property like it's it's in the realm kind of mm-hmm. in this little world that includes star wars and indiana jones and it's a really niche thing but it's in that wheelhouse and you had like Lucasfilm really wanted to make a Monkey Island movie. Like that's something that almost happened. And like eventually Pirates of the Caribbean as a movie happened that it was like kind of a lot of the same people involved were pushing these different movies and stuff. So it's like it could have had a bigger impact if that had gone through. But it's clearly that the people involved who like owned Monkey Island, they held it in a high regard, even though it wasn't like it wasn't Star Wars. You know, it wasn't. Yeah right everyone who knew it loved it like if if you if if you played it you were immediately made aware especially just compared to what was around at the time this is something special it it is different it is big it should be considered in the same breath as like any game series that we're considering classics right now but uh you know it's it's simply not going to be at the the rate of install that it has 
compared to something else at the time like uh mario or or, or zelda or, or some of those early uh rpgs like um dragon quest and final fantasy especially in a country like america who does not at this point like story-based games that much compared to japan and japan wasn't getting i don't think they got monkey island they got maniac mansion by the way they got maniac mansion on nintendo yeah. which is weird yeah. uh and it's it sounds scary it it is it is a little <laughs> happy halloween everybody. i think it is scarier uh maniac mansion is actually kind of horrifying because like yeah. they they hadn't leaned into the idea that the games should be safe yet <laughs> uh like like point yeah and you click can adventure. just straight up like die and lose. yeah you can straight up die and lose in, in the pre monkey island ones uh so like while you're just kind of slowly going around a house doing the point and click stuff there's like a, a a weird mutant scientist who can just find you and eat you and you need to run away <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah pretty, pretty scary game actually uh yeah so japan did get that but i don't know if they got monkey island at the time um do you think monkey island now with this recent recent but small boom that it's gotten with return last year where it was it was talked about by like a number of people and this expansion now do you think it's kind of there now like is it finally mainstream to talk about monkey island um, I don't know if I, I would know. go that far. I, yeah, I, I don't know. If I think I would that either. Monkey Island is a thing that among gamers, you probably like if you're talking to gamers that talk about games, you're probably not going to find people who don't at least know it exists. Know the very name, often, maybe yeah. Like they know the name, but um, it's still. I think that it really is a an underdog type game. It is. It is this sort of niche um like the following is strong but small and it, and it it's got this reputation as as a, like that uh you know that sort of connoisseurs you know niche uh gem of a game that like i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't know if i would ever call it mainstream mainstream yeah it, it needs yeah. what earthbound got with ness being in every smash brothers or something like it, it's gotta it's just gotta get that one little push forward i don't know if sea of thieves is quite smash brothers enough but it, it's certainly big so that'll be yeah um like a whole mmo's worth of people now at least know about monkey Island. it is kind of so it is kind of interesting to see the team at rare do a pirates of the caribbean crossover with disney which is like blowing your load it's like yeah we dude did star- it's like we did star wars you know like we did yeah we did pirates of the caribbean and then they're like all right we got our foot in the door now we we have a relationship <laughs> now with we Disney. can now let us we can have work our, our way up to the real right series yeah i um correct me if i'm wrong but i think the last thing rare did as a company that does like licensed games in any way at all was like mickey's speedway on the n64 um i think so. yeah and then and then nothing until pirates of the caribbean which is just like okay well pirates of the caribbean is huge and it fits into sea of thieves pretty well so that makes sense but now monkey island which is like okay that's crazy (laughs) you're going back to a 1990s video (laughs) game and rare rare the company that made uh donkey kong country and killer instinct and banjo kazooie and perfect dark the 1990s video game they're going back to is monkey island 
that's that's kind of mind blowing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so I looked it up. Monkey Island did get released in Japan, but for the Sega CD in 1993. Oh, it might as well. It might as well not have come out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, Jeff, I think that we're we're uh, we're pretty far into a show right now, so I think it might be time to wrap it up. Unless you have any final thoughts before we head into our segments. I don't have any final thoughts. Uh, I I I, ha- I did think that the the rotating zombie head yes was it was an interesting thing because i think that adapting it to sea of thieves they had to they might have had to tone down maybe it a little but it still seems like maybe the most gruesome thing in sea of thieves this like still alive shrunken head right like (laughs) sea of thieves is full of the undead in terms of skeletons but there's never been like flesh like they've never right. done anything that's in between a body and a skeleton, and this thing is like a well, zombie. I don't if, know. If I, I can put our friend Chris Alcock on the spot real quick, I asked him one time, and I, I hope that he doesn't mind me saying this because it's uh, truly the worst thing I've ever heard. Uh, I asked I asked him one time <laughs> why skeleton lords in the Sea of Thieves, who once were people. Uh, like normal sized people they might be like pretty tall for who they were but they were tall within regular human height right why are they like eight feet tall as skeleton lords and he told me the meat goes in the bones (laughs) they absorb (laughs) yeah i hate it so much it sucks and i wish i wasn't his friend I mean, that's where all the vitamins are. You, know, you got to eat the bones. That's true. Yeah. You got to get to the juice. So, yeah, the, the the meat doesn't slough off. It goes in the bones. Something to think about. <laughs> Something to think about. <laughs> Something to think about. Uh, okay, let's head into our segments. We got two today. Our first is our weekly guy. Let's just do the whole Legend of Monkey Island arc as as a whole rather than every just, individual Just across all three. Yeah. Who is your Good favorite thinking. guy? We'll start with Dustin. Ooh, me first, yep, yep, huh? Yep. Um, I'm going to give it to LeChuck. Ooh. Not that I, I think he, like, particularly does anything super amazing over the course of these three tales, but he's just, like, my favorite villain. I like this guy a lot. Um, One thing, uh, I brought it up earlier when we were playing is, uh, so the person who originally voiced LeChuck, uh, Earl Bowen, passed away uh, a while ago. And so now Jess Harnell is playing him. And I really like that he's not, like, trying to just be Earl Bowen again. He is, get, like, doing his own take on it, uh, which is fun. I like that. Um, and, you know, it, he just has, like, such a great design here. It, LeChuck's design fluctuates so much over the course of the series. And, like, I think he always looks good uh, for the most part. But, like, this one is a very uh, solid... It, it's kind of, like, in between his... Uh, his skeleton design and more fleshy zombie design of later. Yeah, it's like bones, uh, but they're green. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun uh, kind of middle of the road. And I just love any time they have, like, the dead bird for the feathers yes, in his hat. that's great. I That's such a cool... I don't know if we've seen uh, LeChuck before rendered in this level of, like, three-dimensional detail. 
Um, there are two 3D Monkey Island games. Uh, right, right. So but I mean, they were there on like the word, years before Emphasis this. on the word detail, I guess. Um, yeah. I think that this might be the best LeChuck has ever looked. Again, speaking as someone who's not as big of a fan as you guys are. Uh, I think yeah. I would say that too. Um, I, I, I like the Tails LeChuck a lot, which is sort of similar. It's it's a little more cartoony than this. Um, yeah. A, a, like a little more rounded because Sea of Thieves has these like uh, sort of curved angles all over the place in the art style. It doesn't have mm-hmm. those. Um, but but yeah, it, it's up there. It's pretty good. It, it, it kind of just looks like LeChuck has found... It's weird because like it started where uh, in in the first game he's a ghost. In the second game he yeah. is a zombie. In the third game he's a demon, and then after that point, he he's just a bunch of other stuff uh, as the <laughs> as the need arises. Uh, but he over the last few installments has really settled into at least a take on that second game with Chuck, the zombie one, um, and. I kind of don't know how I feel about that. I kind of wish they, like, I want to see a mummy LeChuck, or I want to see uh, an, a space alien LeChuck. Like, keep keep doing them. Keep doing the weird monsters rather than settling in on, on uh, one thing and making it kind of a standardized Yeah, he look. could be like a, a vampire. He could be a Frankenstein. He could be a Frankenstein. He could be a yeah. werewolf. He could be a... Um... <laughs> he, a sea man. He could be he an could invisible be man. <laughs> he could be invisible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I I think that I I would kind of agree with that take of wanting him to change up, but I also see how this game sure. isn't the place to do it because this is very much yeah more just a send up of like the original and sort of just trying to be like uh, it, it's not trying to reinvent the series at all. Yeah, but even then, way. this is not the one from oh, the original. Definitely. This is the one from right. two. Uh, so it's an interesting thing there because yeah. the 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 ghost yeah. Lechuk I... really is only in the original and then doesn't. They don't do a ghost LeChuck that much anymore after that. That's fine. That's probably my least favorite. It, it, it is anyway. a very standard, but boring looking kind of LeChuck. Yeah, they, they don't do much yeah. of the form until that like reanimated. But I, I get it for something like this. Like if if yeah, I I get it for something like this though. I get wanting to if you're doing like a big crossover event, it makes sense that you might want to go with the more iconic look for the character rather than. Like doing your own, like I'd love to see what Rare would do with like. Okay, we can change LeChuck any way we want. What do we do? That would be cool to see. But I get yeah. for like an event, you go for the one that people want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So LeChuck is a great choice, Jeff. What's yours? Uh, I, mine is a cheat because it's two guys, and they're called the Fettuccini Brothers. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, excellent choice yeah i these guys are great i i was really nervous about like how are they gonna put a a a circus carnival tent in sea of thieves and and it not feel just like so out of place and i remember like the first tall tale they're the first of these you don't you don't get to go to the carnival yet you can you're you're only on the town side of the island of melee island you don't get to go to the other side but when you climb up the lookout mountain you can look down and see it Mm mm-hmm and it's and like if you try to go that way, the, you, there's like an impenetrable fog that will just reset you back. And we were talking about like that's like the spooky clown zone. Yeah, <laughs> you don't go in. You don't go, in go, there. You don't the go to the clown foggy zone. clown zone. That's no. Yeah, and like I'm, 
but then you get there and they're not just circuses they're italian yeah which is yeah it's like the hat on a hat almost but yes right it's like it's like when you're creating a, a character in like an rpg like a, a, a tabletop and you like roll some dice to just get some traits you know it's like you have like you have a, a matrix and you just like all yeah. right roll three dice and it's like okay Pirate circus Italian, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, brothers, twins. The the whole trifecta. Is yeah, that's covered. a full character creator right there. They're really good. It, it's, I, I, it's I enjoy fun. They, this they they squabble with each other about like they they've promised a a, a prize money of like ten thousand silver pieces of silver or whatever, and then they're like squabbling because they don't actually have that much money. And then, like, you, you complete their challenge, and they, like, talk it down. and like, ah, but there's, like, a cleaning fee for the uh, uniform, and there's insurance, and there's all these fees. And then they, like, talk it down. I don't know. They're just, they're just funny. I like them because they're funny. Yeah, they're good. I like that they try to play it up as, like, a good thing. They're like, wow, 400. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Um, so I think my favorite character. Mm, okay, I, I'm going back and forth between two options here. Um, okay. I think I just love that there's a character still and is still relevant who just still wants to talk about Loom. Uh, <laughs> I love the game Loom. It, it we uh, as a as a friend group recently engaged in that social media trend of making a grid of like your top twenty five video games. I put Loom in my top twenty five, and I don't put a Monkey Island game in there. Um, wow. Yeah, Loom is Loom is fantastic. Um, so I feel a, a kinship to this pirate who in, uh, just very verbose ways continues to hold up the, the merits of the 33 year old video game by Brian Moriarty loom. Uh, so that's great that that's still around because what they could do is like when in the, in return, when they had Cobb show up, they could have said, uh, Thimbleweed Park. That makes all the sense in the world to me to do. They didn't do that. Right. Uh, in Sea of Thieves, they could have said uh, Battletoads 2020. They didn't do it. They or they could have said any number of like Xbox exclusive. They could have said Starfield. Uh, <laughs> Cobb right. Well, they, they but Loom, it, Loom is yeah. just part of his character. Loom, yes, he's just yeah. he's just Loom. Loom specifically. So I like that. It's one of those. It's one of those jokes that is okay. Uh, but then like when you're still telling it 20 years later, it's only funnier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only like funnier, this, but like, I still, I still, I get it though, because I've been telling my friends for the last at least five years, Hey, you guys really should play loom. And none of them have done it. So I, I feel that he's, <laughs> he might be in the same situation. Maybe he wants to wear a thimbleweed park button, but he can't give up on the loom thing until Guybrush finally fucking plays loom. Yeah, well, he says in return, uh, he says, like, I'm more button than man now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have that. But I think my real weekly guy is going to be Guybrush. Uh, the The writing on Guybrush is done very well. Just the character of a man who has finally gotten everything he it, it ever wanted, but he knows it's fake. But, like, he just can't come to that reality is a very fun thing. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Dominic Armado does a great job voicing him. Uh, the the writing team on Sea of Thieves, 
does a, a great job like finding that Ron Gilbert style of dialogue, that Dave Grossman style of dialogue very well. Um, so yeah, I, I will say it is Guy Rush. I think I think Guy Rush is a great choice. He's he's just such a likable doofus of a character just all throughout the whole series. One thing I like about what they do with Guy Rush here is uh they lean into uh the angle where he really wants that fame and glory. I feel like once you're I feel like even with Curse, they kind of start moving away from it and start playing up the hapless bumbling fool angle. But in two, he's like a real jackass. He's like really like, hey, you want to hear me tell you about the time I beat LeChuck for the like 400th time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that they're uh, kind of playing into that a bit more after it being gone for so long. Yeah, especially because in return, he's like. He's very he's humble. Still, that a little bit like he's he's got he was he is clearly a person who used to be this way, but now he just is famous. Mm-hmm. So he's just sort of like I don't know. I could I could yeah. talk about it or not. And it's and that was in tail like that starts with tales with like Morgan being his fanboy. That's such a yeah. cool. You get to see Guybrush just go from like a wannabe pirate to just actually being like a pirate mm-hmm. legend. It, it's it's a cool order of events to happen there especially considering that sea of thieves is based on this concept of pirate fame uh yeah just like it the whole the whole deal with the progression system in sea of thieves is that you need to get enough reputation with all of the uh the people that matter in in the larger groups in order to be considered a pirate legend which in theory means that everyone on the sea of thieves just knows you Uh, they don't really do anything in the game to make that come across like they don't have npcs recognize you more after you get more reputation but the 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 theory is that just in the world of the the game that's happening well and in the in the player to player interactions there is there is a sort of feeling of like if you are a newer player and you see another ship on the horizon that is another player and you can see by the colors they're flying in the in the deck in their their cosmetics that they are a pirate legend it means something to you when you see that. You like, I'm a new guy. That guy's a pirate legend. That means I don't may- want to mess maybe with those guys. I, maybe I should be afraid of them, or maybe you know they have a lot of treasure because mm-hmm. they're a higher level. So maybe I want to challenge them. And so there's that, and it's it's just a very sort of natural uh, interaction. But yeah, that that's this the story of it, and I love this the way that Guybrush is just like. He's completely disheveled when you find him. He's like playing with dolls. Yeah, in hair's his, all messed his, up. His beard is all overgrown. And um, he's just happily like living in this fantasy. And he's happy to let all these other like conscious characters be trapped in his fantasy. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, like they're all just like obsessed with him. Like he's the the legend of monkey island he's the best pirate obviously they're obsessed yeah and and he's he's like well this does make sense this is this is how i can see this going down yeah everyone everyone (laughs) loves me and that is just how it's supposed to be yeah like he's he's clearly a a a messed up guy but like he is he's ultimately a good guy (laughs) um showing that kind of like maniacal twist in a good character is not very common in media Mm -hmm. at all so that it's cool to see uh, that sometimes you can just be real messed up on the inside and still be a pretty great guy overall. Um, I think where where he shines the most uh, is when he actually kind of follows you down into the catacombs of 
LeChuck's lair while while you're carrying the the haunted head or whatever. Yeah. The head of the navigator. And like he's actually as you're going through and doing stuff, he's just like making little comments on everything that are like funny quips. It's like the most you get to hear his dialogue like consistently throughout the the, the three episodes. And he's just like, I'm gonna name this cor- I'm gonna name this corridor Dave. And he he's just like saying stupid shit, but it's like the stupid shit I like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's good. Right. Yeah. I, I will say though, back to like the collectible aspect of these tall tales, another reason they aren't great sometimes is I think that moment should be great. Just following the head of the navigator directing you down this maze, listening to Guybrush talk. But then like as soon as Man, <laughs> as soon as you introduce this concept of within this maze, there's five books that LeChuck wrote and left around. And if you need to get 100% on this for a podcast, you're going to have to uh, <laughs> mostly just be annoyed that Guybrush keeps standing in front of you while you scour every corner for books. Uh, really takes a lot of the like the joy of the storytelling and the joy of the atmosphere out of it. Uh, just to come back to that point. I get that. But yeah, I, I, I do love that moment for... The, the Guybrush stuff. Yeah, that's like the one time where Guybrush, you're actually with Guybrush on this adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of makes me think that like, wow, if they had that, if they had that technology, they should have done that more. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been fun. <laughs> um, they did something, they did it similar with the Jack Sparrow one. On the, yeah. Where yeah. he's like not with you until like the fourth out of five tales. Mm-hmm. And then he's like consistently with you from that point on. Um, I wonder if that's the best way to do it because then it's like if he was with you the whole, if Guybrush is just following you around, commenting on stuff, that could be great, or it could just get like annoying quickly. Yeah, there was also like a, I don't know how much they were really thinking about this, but it, at the same time as that Pirates of the Caribbean art came out, that was really in the dead center of, ooh, how do we how do we feel about Johnny Depp? kind of time oh yeah uh yeah. so there was like a movement to to put pirates in, of the caribbean in a place of like oh it's, it's not just about jack sparrow it's got other things it's got a little <laughs> bit else um and now i think that maybe things have quieted down i don't really know how we landed with johnny depp but uh i i think it would have been more fine now to just sort of focus more on jack sparrow um I, I don't know if Rare was really considering that or if they were just kind of thinking like, well, Jack Sparrow is a character, not an actor. But yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, let's transition over to our golden moments and then we'll sh- uh, shut the show down. Golden moment. Uh, I'll, I'll go in reverse order and say that my golden moment, the, the, the height of my experience... Um, yeah, I, I did say earlier I didn't think of it yet. Uh, <laughs> it's it's tough. There's a I just think it's a a, a lot of good um, melee island locale stuff. Like I love being able to freely explore that town. That um, right. They do such a good job of translating it to th- a three D space you can explore. Yeah, uh, like Jeff, I don't know how much you know about this, but the the alleyway behind the church sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like a really cosmically important place. And just sort of standing there and feeling 
in that moment i'm in this alleyway behind the church it's cool <laughs> it's like a cool thing it's i'm in the famous to alley be in a first person game in 3d space where i can walk around and like be in that alley where um redacted happens at the end of uh i think a few of the games um very very cool little moment just being there and i'll say that and i think that just comes down to like the set dressing of it all um very very right. cool location to be in that specific place in the sea of thieves uh mechanical style um okay and totally. uh and jeff i if we're going reverse yeah. order it's you next well so just like in, in, on a high level the thing that like by far stands out to me as like my favorite thing about these it, it is and it's kind of across all moments is just like environments that you get to be in that aren't typically in Sea of Thieves. Towns, yeah, forests, big lush jungles, like giant spaces to explore. And I love that. So I totally get what you're saying with the church um, and the alley and everything. Um, but I think just like in like a general sense, being able to mm-hmm. see types of architecture, types of nature that you lots don't, of colors you col- don't normally colors see you too. don't see the, we talked about uh today when we were playing me and dustin played it earlier today the like tur- the bright turquoises and bright red rocks when you're in monkey island you're like climbing up the mountain with like the little pools of water and the bright red rocks and then like when you're in the forest with all of the blues and purples and like the moonlight um yeah but i would say the golden moment for me is when you think that Elaine is sleeping in the bed in the mansion, and then it's and then it's three monkeys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah. yeah, and they come running out. Elaine was three monkeys the whole time. Honestly, that just—it's like a, a a type of gag that you don't see very often in Sea of Thieves because it requires like an animation, like like actual monkeys pop up and run away, and like you, they don't really do a lot of that. There's not a lot yeah. of scripted, on railed, like animated moments in sea of thieves like that only on these types of tall tales do you get that and there's like one like that in the third tale when you are when you trap herman in his own trap where like a monkey comes down to (laughs) to drink the banana soup or whatever yeah but yeah i think that the three monkeys coming out and do they like jump out the window or run up the chimney or something yeah i think they Um, jump out the window (laughs) they're yeah they're just like (laughs) scattering around little monkeys it's so it's just like dumbly joyous mm-hmm. i just get a lot of joy out of that moment that's a great it's, one it's yeah it's a surprise and it's like fun and joyous i like it right oh if i and can that, just say one more thing about that first episode you also get to go in the uh the clock tower and i don't oh, yeah. i think that's like a full construction of something that you just never ever actually do um mm. yeah so it's yeah just a cool way that they're not only um copying monkey islands things but like expanding on what they're doing um yeah yeah you never go in that clock tower Yeah, you never go in that clock tower i don't think you ever go in that uh that bedroom elaine's bedroom well and also that whole mansion the governor's mansion again it's like so unlike anything else in sea of thieves Mm because like you don't you don't visit like civilized like towns in sea of thieves very often and and but then you've got this mansion and it's so grabbed by the ghoulies it's it's yeah. a, this like mansion <laughs> in the moonlight up on the hill and honestly sea of thieves really has a grabbed by the ghoulies uh aesthetic at to it at times yeah um in the way that it depicts like cartoonish stylized 
kind of kind of wonky human beings geometry wonky geometry and, and things and again this is sort of like how we talked about how niche monkey island is grabbed by the ghoulies yeah. is not that's like niche among niche things but i'm i'm sitting here <laughs> like on the monkey island podcast talking about how i like that sea of thieves reminded me of grabbed by the ghoulies so we're getting into the weeds with that yeah and i know you that, listened like, to the courtney episode last week where i think we talked about the fact that grabbed by the ghoulies has just been coming up in in conversation a lot recently um but like that's a i feel like that's a natural way that you just brought it up again that's man maybe it's a really (laughs) important work of art maybe everything (laughs) like naturally ties to grab by the ghoulies maybe maybe it's time time. for society to earthbound grab by the ghoulies that's what they need to get on it everybody dustin said on our stream today that the head of the navigator looks like the mummy from Grab by the Ghoulies. And now, it now I can't unsee it. And I'm just like... I mean, doesn't it just kind of look like a mummy? But it's well, got it the looks wonky like the one exact eye. mummy it's, from Ghoulies. It's got yeah, like the one, one eye in the one same spot, the way its teeth work. Because I don't think right that's way. how the head looks in Secret of Monkey Island either. It's yeah, close. they definitely reinterpret it a little. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's It has to be... Yeah, in Secret of Monkey Island, it's just like a human In Secret head. of Monkey Island, it's truly gross. So, like, they, they yeah. do need to change it quite a bit in order to make it fit. Yeah, like, that. the, the game's already scary enough when, like, Stan is following you, and there's, like, a circus <laughs> in the forest. Like, come yeah, on. it's the Halloween That's episode. The, that was the Halloween episode. <laughs> One one other thing I like is uh, you see a lot of trees you don't normally see yeah. in the Sea of Thieves. Where like going through the forest, you see all those like pine trees. It's, it's just such a cool way to mix yeah. it up. Uh, Dustin, what's your golden moment? So I I had two. One is more just like what I think is a cool part of the story and one is just like a personal choice. The one I think is just a cool part of the story is just the end battle with LeChuck. I thought was very cool doing the ship battle in like a river of lava. Mm. Uh, that's, that's just like an awesome uh, set piece. But I think the best time I had in all three of these tall tales is when uh, it was Jeff, Heil, Cameron, and I, we were trying to get the best time on the Fettuccini brothers, uh, little circus obstacle course that was fun um just like everyone taking turns uh to because like it's not hard to just like do it but one of the commendations is to do it in under 25 seconds and that was pretty hard so we just uh you know took turns all four of us going and going until and and then each of us needed to do it so yeah that that was just a fun time probably Probably the time I remember the most. It's fun because then, like, every time you fail, the like the music kind of goes wonky, like, or whatever. And then, like, the, the Fettuccine Brothers will be like, like, I don't remember. Oh, so sorry. So sorry. And I'm just like, all right, this this is awesome. <laughs> I, I don't even feel bad that I lost because he's so funny. Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. I love a lot of the points in Sea of Thieves where they try like some sort of dexterity challenge it's not often because the game really isn't built to be a platformer but you have a jump button um and there's some things sometimes where you can be like okay ring this bell and then go walk across a rope and uh <laughs> it's just a fun little thing to put yeah. in the middle of doing all your pirate stuff yeah and the music for for that part is so good i i really liked all the music throughout just hearing like 
the music of the Monkey Island series interpreted in a different way. Like when you're on Monkey Island itself, you have like the music from the game. It's it's the theme for Monkey Island, but they mix in the Sea of Thieves theme in there as well. It's it's just really yeah. Do cool. we know if all that new Monkey Island music in Sea of Thieves is Beanland? It is. It is. Well, uh, cool. no, no, it's probably not all Beanland. Uh, Chloe Kwok, uh also. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, I watched, I've, I've watched a couple of their behind-the-scenes videos, and I think she might have done, or at least just assisted on, um, like, the circus theme, because she was talking about, like, the ways that they actually vary it every, every loop, and, like, put different instruments forward to, like, subtly make it not become as, like, mundane when you hear it over and over and over and over. But, like, Beanland right. was the one talking about how they blended the Monkey Island theme with the Sea of Thieves theme and how he had to kind of tweak it a little to make them line up and, and he was happy with that. So really their whole music team does a great job. But yeah, Ro- totally. Robin Beanland and Chloe Kwok are the two that um, we see their faces on the videos most. So I assume they're the two of them are maybe the most involved um, with the compositions. But yeah, yeah, I love the music. I loved everything you said, Dustin. New New types of trees. New types uh, of trees. You know, it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted it does to have those trees. I wanted to comment on the the river of lava battle thing you said because I, the whole time I was doing like when you're in that big open chamber, like chasing Lechuk's mm-hmm. ship around, I couldn't shake this feeling that I was like, if Sea of Thieves had come out twenty years earlier, and it and it wasn't an MMO, if it was just like a regular FPS with like maps, you know, like like GoldenEye, like you choose the map you want to play on. Like that is what that room felt like to me. It felt like being in a multiplayer map. Like if Sea of Thieves was that yeah. was that kind of multiplayer game, you would have the map that's like the lava arena and you would have the map that's like the ghost arena. <laughs> right, let's let's play on the lava stage. Yeah, right. I, I will say that that part it was so frustrating to me. Um, I here's here's a here's a little trick. You can turn the mad monkey around they don't want you to do that (laughs) if you turn (laughs) it around it's very hard to unturn it around oh no need to tell me i got our when i was playing with friends last night i got our ship stuck and boy it took a while to get out of there luckily lechuk doesn't take that opportunity to like leave and escape and win yeah and this is another opportunity or another part of the game where uh like anything you do with a ship, especially this size, is built with multiple people in in mind. Even this, where they kind of give the cannons to Guybrush and Elaine as NPCs, so they let Guybrush and Elaine shoot. You still need to control both the angle you're driving the ship and the speed of the ship, uh, which yeah. is like really hard to do if you're just by yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I was playing with uh, two other people, so it worked out like one person was controlling the ship and one was on like the side cannons. I can't imagine. Oh, one was on side like, cannons? I wasn't that... even allowed to shoot the cannons. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I can't imagine that being very easy when you can't get hits on LeChuck yourself. Well, so I, I didn't have much of a problem with it, but um, I, I will say that like the controls on that galleon are different than just a galleon in an open sea of thieves world like they yeah they they made everything like like the turn radius is faster the raising up the anchor is 
way faster because raising an anchor by yourself on a galleon is really slow because they're the game is designed for you to like do that activity with multiple crewmates to make it go faster um but like raising the anchors raising the sails turn radius uh max speed all of those stats are different in that fight to make it like more manageable i didn't have much of a problem with it but um yeah i mean it wasn't like my favorite or anything it's not like a very thrill like difficult battle or anything there's like i don't think there's a way for you to lose um, no because if you, you get you don't hit, it's just guy rushing a lane stop shooting for a while yeah like you don't have to repair the damage to stop yourself from sinking or anything like that um yeah yeah it's it's fine it's okay honestly yeah. I, I i just thought it was a cool set piece. i think the overworld puzzles on monkey island are so much more fun to They're me fun. than yeah. everything that happens in the second half of that tale but. well i i even like the lechuk um fighting a lot but the ship stuff is just like i guess that's the biggest and, and maybe the part that proved to be actually incongruous uh bit between monkey island and sea of thieves of like you don't do a lot of actually being on a ship in monkey island yeah and uh yeah it's combining those felt felt pretty wonky uh at, at the end in my opinion but the uh tonal stuff going on with the music and the, the story and, and stuff that all worked out pretty well yeah totally the visuals of coming into the lava chamber and seeing lechuk's um ghost dread galleon or whatever parked there obviously it's like a recreation of the screen from monkey island um but obviously it's it's like so visually appealing in like the colors and everything but also it's it's fascinating because sea of thieves already like did a send-up of that image yeah with cap with captain flameheart the first time you enter his lair the heart of fire and you see his ghost galleon parked in a sea of lava it's like clearly an homage to Monkey Island, and that came out all the way back in 2019, I think. So, or maybe, or it was early 2020 actually, um, and that was like way before they ever even dreamed that they were gonna touch the Monkey Island IP. But yeah, they were just like, yeah, we're gonna like make. They just wanted to homage a it. big homage to LeChuck in Monkey Island, and then now that actual scene is in Sea of Thieves now. That's a weird thing. Yeah. Would Tom Holland be a good guy brush? You mean like uh, the director or the Spider-Man? I mean the Spider-Man. No. Okay. <laughs> no, actually, maybe. Oh. I, th- I think he's kind of got a, a yeah, dorky he, he's enough affable. quality that he's it got could work. that affable quality in the same kind of way. And he's young enough, but not like so young that... Because I don't think Guybrush is a kid, but he's not established at all. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I don't think he. I don't think he's funny. You don't think Tom Holland's funny? <laughs> I think Spider Man's pretty Tom, funny. I don't know. I I think Spider Man's funny. I don't think Tom Holland's funny. Do you well, think he if, could if be Tom funny Holland if, if can given be the opportunity to be Spider Man? I assume he could be to be Guybrush in the same way. He, yeah, could be, but I should have specified that this is for a movie and not like a life change for Tom oh. Holland. <laughs> do you think he should just be Guybrush in real life? Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. It is, yeah. No, if they did it, so you're saying if they cast a movie, I don't know. Uh, Tom Holland is not my first pick, but who's your first pick? Probably not. 
didn't we we had this discussion on a different episode i don't think i had it yeah who would who would you pick jeff man that's a tough one it it would probably it would probably be a relatively young actor that i currently don't even know it might be like a relative <laughs> like a relative nobody because i don't know a lot of young actors i know of, i do think he's at least in his 20s though he's not like a teen no 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 and and tom holland is one of those guys who it, 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 like seems younger than he is because mm-hmm. he plays a high schooler on Spider-Man, but he's like 40. He's not like 40. That's a lie. But yeah, he's um, like 50. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I would pick a person with blonde hair. I think that's a that's good pick. The easiest I think. thing to change about Tom Holland. <laughs> that's, no, no. That one can just happen. <laughs> no, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, because like Tom Holland is is always the one that's brought up in like cast a young man, Tom Holland. Everyone else is old. Everyone else in Hollywood is an old man. Uh, that's ew. that's actually true. Yeah. yeah, he's just the one that we always bring up. But I do kind of think he's got a little guy brush in him. Little, uh, little, I yeah, I I I'd be much fine more with than it. Nathan Drake. I mean, that's way different. That's way more. Different. That was bad. He did that. Yeah, that was that... definitely like. They were going for a different thing there. That was weird casting. Yeah. yeah. That was like intentionally out there casting. I can't really think of anyone young and bright-eyed enough to do Guybrush. You need to be really <laughs> yeah, they bright. Don't, they don't have any. Yeah, huh. Ever, our, our gen- They're all out of bright the, eyes. The eyes of our generation has dimmed at a young age. Yeah, you need a, <laughs> you need a slightly younger male version of Margot Robbie. Someone who can just be like, "Hey guys, what's going on?" Is that that whole vibe? We doing pirate stuff over well, here? I was just thinking I could be a pirate. I don't know. <laughs> Why not? Uh, that's been our show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jeff. Uh, we went longer than we have been going in a, in a very long time. I think we just like talking to you. Yeah, Aww. I'd say this is up there for one of our longest ones. Nah. I'm sorry. No, we, we no, we've gone way longer. No, no, it's good. <laughs> Have yeah, we? we have. Yeah, as, yeah. Especially huh. like we've done like a three-hour well, one for we the finale of Walking We haven't, f- we haven't finished this one yet, so we could get there. We might. Uh, it, yeah. <laughs> go, go, if, go. Uh, if we um, just keep talking about how long it is. Yeah. So first is Bulbasaur, <laughs> and then is Ivysaur. <laughs> uh, no, so okay. Uh, next week we're going to be talking about. Dangeresque, the Rumisode Triungulate, as we head into the middle of our uh, cavalcade of incidentals. Our weird bit where we're just doing a lot of one-off episodes before we kind of get back on track. Dangeresque, the Rumisode Triungulate is, of course, and obviously, a sequel to episode four specifically of Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. Dangeresque 3, the criminal projective. Um... They, it's also just like a different game that was made by the creators of Homestar Runner and is now on Steam for like seven buckoos. Uh, I haven't played it yet, Ooh. so I'm excited to play it for next week. We're going to be joined by a friend of mine named Eric Geels, if everything goes right. Uh, he has not been on the show before at all, um, or even in this like little community of people that we've kind of built around the show. Uh, so be excited for that. And in the meantime, I do want to say... Uh, Saturday the 21st. Saturday the 21st is where we're aiming to do this. Uh, You have about a week and a half notice if you're listening to this when it comes out. We are going to be doing a Twitch stream of 
as much as we can fit of a full playthrough. It might not be close. <laughs> Uh, as, but as much as we can fit of a p- full playthrough of Law & Order Legacies, the Telltale game that you really can't get anywhere. I managed to got I managed to get a copy out of some uh, difficult things to do. <laughs> so I, I have it. Uh, I have a legally paid for copy of Law & Order Legacies. We're going to be playing it. Uh, I, I'll be the one in, in the driver's seat and Dustin's just going to be there on voice. Uh, please come by. It's our first live telling the tale, and probably, de- I mean, definitely our only thing we're ever going to do live for telling the tale. <laughs> so that'll be fun. That'll be on my. I think it'll be on my Twitch stream. I'll figure that out. Um, on on Twitch, I'm called Wolf FM. You'll also see a link in the show notes to this. And uh, if you follow on social media, we'll try to throw it out on social media. So yeah, that's on the 21st of October. Please join in and watch some Law & Order stuff that you won't find probably. I mean, I'm going to level with you. I don't know if you'll find the game interesting. Yeah, try as you might. You well, won't. Well, okay. You're, Dustin's basing a lot of his personality right now off his I, feelings. I dare you to be interested. He's basing his feelings off of how he feels about CSI games from Telltale. And that just is. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm sure it'll just a different show. Uh, just a different show. Totally different. Totally different. The that's true. That's different. Different. They are different Dustin, shows. Dustin, if it make you feel any better, this is the one that has that uh, sound effect. Dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Now I can't wait. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. It'll be I didn't right know that about the sound and then you have to coast for seven episodes. <laughs> uh, I got what I came here for. Legitimately, though, this is. I think we can safely say it's the rarest Telltale game. Um, oh, and, definitely. Yeah, by by like a lot, almost only, only like the CSI games kind of kind of come close, but uh, I mean, we were kind of just able to do those. Uh, yeah, this one very legitimately difficult to make work. Uh, so it's it's a little bit of a historical thing. So please join us then. And until next time, thank you again, Jeff, for coming. Uh, you've been great, and I'm I'm very happy for the uh, Sea of Thieves expertise you've been able to um, donate upon us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And until next time, have a great summer. I did.